Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome back to Tulsa, Dr. Paula Price. You know, I'm excited. We are back. We are back and had a great time. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. We enjoyed the Dawkins, Apostle Harry Dawkins, Prophet Sandra Dawkins, Prophet Chiron Dawkins, and then we have the wonderful family that we met there. And we met, actually, didn't we meet our... Facebook and Periscope family, they came out to support us in New York, Mount Vernon. So I'm thrilled. And we talked about some powerful things. Okay, so Ashley, what would you say were the high points of the weekend if you had to pick what you saw were high points or most impactful? I'll give you two, two, you know, two answers. Well, you know what? Let me go to my desk. <laughs> You, you took notes, even though you're the traveling companion? Yes, I took Who have forgotten the journey? 
I started this journey, and I remember that from the time I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I started my church, which was approximately three years later, I said, and I started a church, I certainly didn't want to, but anyway, you've heard that story, but Anyway, so I started, and then after I started my church, two years into this thing, I mean, my church was standing there, and I would just stand there and tell people everything about themselves and about themselves, their lives and everything, and I didn't know it was being a prophet. Some of you out there like that. You just understand people, or when you pray, things go beyond the prayer. So I'm standing there, I'm doing this, and so uh, I said, well, God, I need, if I'm going to be a prophet, I need to learn about it because professional people, no, professions require readiness. It's the unprofessional people who have been in church so long or who grew up in church and never held down a job beyond anything that was weighty or responsible that keep telling you you can get it on the run. Smart people, educated people, haven't we found that out, Ashley, over the years? Smart people, educated people say, well, wait a minute, I have to learn about this. I have to figure this out. Well, I have resigned my job as a uh, communications account executive and so I had, everything was about training. And what was it about? Knowing what you're doing and how to do it well to the benefit of your company and to the benefit of your clients, rather, and the advantage of the organization that has employed you. So I was serious. I said, well, God, so I went up, I mean, at that time, I mean, I bought Every book that was out on the prophetic during that time, everybody, I bought them. I bought every book on Christianity, everything I could find. I bought everything. I bought uh, dictionaries. I bought resources. I had five or six Bibles. I mean, I purchased. I invested. I wanted to read everything. And the Internet was just coming out, So, and, and, and I want to get back to that uh, in a moment if the book will remind me. But the Internet was just coming out, so I studied, I, I downloaded, I did everything. My library and the resources that I purchased for this thing called the prophetic, called ministry, called the apostolic, is phenomenal. And I found that all of the information I needed was not coming out of the church. It wasn't coming out of Christianity, at least not the, the spirit-filled side of it. It was coming out of the denominations, and many of them weren't even acknowledging prophets, so you know it was a little bit sketchy. And then most of what I read, and I would dare say that it's not a whole lot. I think it's somewhat, but not a whole lot different today. And so most of what I read, hear me because I'm explaining why we're planting prophets. And so most of what I read, I um, found was devotional, testimonial, of course, and, and then life story, and the whole premise of it, of all of it, was my way to this way. And so that my way, those my way writings didn't help me because I wasn't living their set of circumstances. A quality education program is not based on private circumstances. They can't, be, they can't be based on an individual circumstance. It is nice that God has shared this stuff with you. It's wonderful that God raised me up. I do the Paul Price show and all of that, but I don't operate on my circumstance. My testimony is just the icing. The cake is made of substance that everybody can recognize as cake. All right? 
You can't call them a cake if we haven't got any flour. Can I call it a cake if we don't have any milk or eggs or cream? We need that thing to rise, otherwise it's a cookie and not a cake. But even so, we've got some flour. They have to be baking. These are universal. Universalism, that has to be. And so the prophetic education that God wanted to give me had to be universal because it was for his kingdom and not a congregation. And so a lot of us had congregational training, how we do it in our house how our leader likes it, how God gave it to our leader. You know, you ever wonder why God chooses some people to go global and some people he can barely get, you know, in the neighborhood? You ever wonder why? I bet you did. I bet a lot of you wanted to know what does it take. Global is as global does. And global does as global thinks. Many people are so uh, uh, petty and they're so privately driven. They're so wrapped up in their way that God will give them a large sphere, but he won't give them all of it because he knows that it's going to fracture his body. So if you've been training, you're all excited. Well, my, I mean, I get it all the time. Well, my pastor teach, taught, uh, teaches it this way. The prophetic is, if, if, it, if your prophetic education is for your, in, your world or your congregation, your church, you're not global. And that's a tutorial. Because universities have to think globally. They have to to take in all valuables. They have to take in all kinds of differences, every piece of diversity in relation to their subject matter and uh, to their discipline. Anybody here, are they getting me? You understanding what I'm saying? So you are, and I get people all the time, well, you know, I I, I have my pastor so-and-so, and I go and read it. You have one class for two hours a week for 13 years. Talking about you had 13 years of education. You had 13 years of study. No, you didn't. You had 13 years of sharing. And that's all. Because nothing changed. I've gone and, and, and over and over again, and they said, oh, no, my prophets are trained. What's the training program? Two nights a week. Okay, so now we have two nights a week. And you've got one book, a bunch of sermons, a bunch of sermons that have preached a, a perspective. There's no structure, there's no order, and you wonder why you're not changed. Why am I not getting better? And some of you have paid dearly for that stuff, and you would not have accepted it from a college. You would not have accepted it from a university. You wouldn't have accepted it from a daycare. All my kid does is lay and watch television. You have a fit. All they do is play the same song every day. You have a fit. But in Christ, because the warfare against his supremacy is so intense and it's so calculated that you cannot imagine how much you are lulled into thinking that in Jesus it doesn't matter. You are so wrapped up in his forgiveness, you have traded off his excellence. God will forgive me for being mediocre. God will forgive me for not learning. He will always forgive me because I'm doing the best I can. God is not in the just forgiveness business. He's in the supremacy business, and he wants supreme prophets. He wants supreme ministers. He wants supreme apostles. God is, we, he, and he has held everything up because he doesn't have the resources and the ingredients to mix to make it happen. So if you're talking about you're going to be a prophet in your church, that's great, wonderful. Stay in your little church, stay under your little leader, and do that. But understand that when God's going global, he's got to be universal. And if he's going to take you global, he's going to make you bigger in your thoughts, bigger in your visions, bigger in your expectations and your demands. He's going to enlarge everything to the 
to the point that you literally seep out of your church or seep out of what your church does if you're called to be bigger. And if you're called to be bigger, that means you're called to be better. And if you're called to be really global, you're called to be among the best, among the elite. And if that's your calling, stop arguing with education. Stop arguing with assessments. Understand that that's what your job does. You work for a global company, you can't get out of training. If your company is global, you cannot get out of training. You can't turn around. There's some in-service, out-service. There's some recertification, up this, upline over here, um, new product training over here, customer service over here. You can't get out of it because they plan to be on top, and you are never on top with ignorant people. Never on top with people who are ignorant to what you're doing. Oh, I have to sit the table. I thought I'd do that. I said, I'll find a I was a little late. I wanted to get the thought out. So the more, the more educated your people, the higher your entity will be, which is why the first thing you do to take out a nation or to take out an institution is cap education or pervert it. Like, you, this whole dumbed-down thing has been meant to take out America because if you don't have the masses thinking, then you can do their thinking for them. And that is a strategy that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. The more the masses don't think, the more you can think for them. You think all of this here social media where everybody's interested in you vomiting your feelings, you think all of that because they care about your thoughts? No, they care about the absence of thinking. And they want to keep you feeling and not thinking. So whenever God raises up prophets and apostles, it's not to make you comfortable in being a non-thinker. It is to make you excellent at thinking. The the prophets are God's first thought leaders in creation. Outside of himself, first thought leaders were prophets because they led the nation in thinking, in thinking what? Thinking like the God that created them. You know this is good, Ashley. You know this is good. And so what are you doing now? You go to churches where they tell you don't think. Did it ever occur to you that knowingly or not, uh, you know, deliberately or unwittingly, your church has bought into the easy street gospel to keep you in the pew, but it's also bought into the thoughtless Christianity to keep you out of the mainstream or the solutions of life because people who don't think can't solve problems. They can't think through a problem. They can't even assess a problem. Half of the church can't even assess that we have a problem, that God has a problem, that Jesus Christ is wrestling and struggling with something. Half the church can't even do that because they're too busy feeling good. You know, we got that spiritual bliss addiction. We got to keep feeling good. We have to keep feeling. And if we don't feel good, then we have to find another way to feel good. We're not contributing. We're not giving anything back. We're taking our little feel-good home because we're getting high and dropping out of life just like the people who are on pharmaceutical and chemical drugs. We have spiritual addictions where we just want to feel good. And that's where prophets are brought in because we want to bring you, snap you out of that. Peter said, awake unto righteousness, but not all have the knowledge of God. Is that a word or is that a word? Not all have the knowledge of God. He said, awake. He had to snap us up because the spirituality, the spirituality, because it's invisible, it's unseen, it, you, you begin to think that it's meant to be this myth, like a fragrant perfume or the aroma of a fine meal or drink or fragrance or something. You think it's supposed to be just 
taken in and then enjoy. And then taken in and admit it. Just admit it, nothing else. And so we buy into that. But I'm telling you that for you to do what God needs you to do today, if you're called to be a prophet, do not run around and tell people you're going to be, uh, God called you to be a prophet to the nations when you don't know nations. When you haven't even read your own Bible about the nations and then read any other textbooks about the nations. Don't talk about I'm going to be a prophet to the world and you can't communicate. Because that's what it is. We, we keep talking about, oh, well, you know, God's going to open up the television and give me all of this here. You're going to say the same thing for 16 weeks, wondering why they canceled you. Cyclical conversation. Because here's where I want to play this, and I say this to you today. I say it to you prophetically. God is growing up the church whether or not his leaders will cooperate with him and help him do it. He's growing up the church. He is growing up his people because God is committed to keeping his son's inheritance. And you do that with your masters. So this whole idea that, I mean, you, you're talking about kids that don't care. We, got a, we were just talking about a, a mass that kids don't have to think, think uh, concretely but abstractly. Well, somebody is going to do the concrete because, like Ashley just said, <laughs> they may have hit the wire from us, but underground, those wires are still doing it, and somebody thought that out. And somebody is thinking every minute of every day to make sure it works, to supervise it, to correct it, and repair it. People, the goal is to separate the masses so that we have an elite few thinkers and masses that are being led by them being led by their thoughts. Our first training in our training program, the one, number one thing we start with is what? God is a thinker. That's the first assignment. That's orientation for us. God is a thinker because most people do not believe that God thinks. They believe that God is caught up in his feelings like they're caught up in their own. So they don't believe God thinks, that God has thoughts or anything like that. So when, when we're talking about developing prophets who are going to not only just go to the nations, we need you to stop thinking like evangelists. We need you to stop that and start thinking like God's divine communication. And you can't do that without training. Remember, if you're taking notes today, I need you to write this down. You cannot ever change without a change agent. And that's my quote, Dr. Paula Price. You cannot ever change without a change agent. You need an agent of change to, to affect you from the outside because you've already resolved you and accepted you on the inside. And something has to upset those resolutions. You know, <clears throat> Bible said that Daniel, when Israel was deported to Babylon and Daniel was brought in and made a part of the, the prophetic education. It says that Daniel, Daniel purposed in his heart. He resolved, I will not be like them. Leaders distinguish themselves by being terrible, or I won't say terrible, independent followers. I'll do what I must. I'll do what's required, but I'll never buy into it. Leaders have already bought into the solution of the next move. They're already working on it. 
You know, I was thinking about this, Ashley, and we talk about this a lot as we go forward, but I was thinking about this, and I know you, you and I have discussed it, all of the years of the, the, the being underground, all of the years of, of the rejection and isolation and all of the other crazy things that happen to anybody who's called to be a future solution. Okay, so let, this is not even about pity, but it should be about reality. You know, the, the, the church can't even tell the difference between sour grapes and reality. Okay, because if it's unpleasant to them, to their skin, then it's got to be negative. But anyway, through all of those years, and you've been a witness to almost half of them, I never, ever gave up the vision. I wrote and wrote and researched and studied and prayed and learned and tried and tested and taught every step of the way. And you know why I did it? Because I knew I was for the future. Come on here. Go ahead. Well, you made such a profound statement. Hey, Dr. Foster was I. And I hate referring to a book that's not on the market right now. <laughs> but you know they're going to aggravate you. You know what? that. Because, see, I'm going to get all of these inboxes. I know. So, so, uh, so, so, Apostle, when are we getting Okay. But you said in that how God intentionally separates apostles, in particular, from being accepted in the mainstream because they are called to be the solution to the problem. And the more emotionally invested you are in what you are called to destroy mm -hmm. or redefine or restructure, which involves some sort of destruction somewhere in order to rebuild, the less likely you are, in my opinion, to be successful. Mm -hmm. And in reading that, I was like, that is so true. So he will intentionally keep you out. Mm -hmm. keep, now, people will invite you in, <laughs> tell you a job. And never want me again. And until it's time for that change to happen, they can't accept mm -mm, it. Or mm -mm. if they're really not going to change, mm -hmm. they can't keep it even though they know it's true. And in, in studying that last night, I was like, man, that is so true. And thinking about your journey, our journey, and how intentionally does it. So it doesn't matter. You know, we have tried to be buddy-buddy. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. Which is why you have to resolve early in the game. This is who you are. This is who you are. And your job mm -hmm. is not to sympathize with what God has come to change. Exactly. You know, I want to say that is so good. I want us to walk, walk there for just a little bit. I just feel some people, I'm sure some people are being touched by what you just said. But for the record, she's referring to a book that I wrote in the early 90s, one of the first significant academic uh, applied academics, because I like to say I write applied academics. I mean, I expect you to do something with it. Um, in the 19th, it was a book I wrote called God's Apostle Revived, and it literally walks you through. Many of the apostles out there today have handled it because it went through Peter Wagner's organization. Um, Apostle John Eckhart introduced it there, and many of them may even have it. Book's not on the market. However, so you understand that I'm not playing favorites, Ashley is one of my apostles in training, and so she's got to finish this book for her to complete what she needs to be commissioned. And so that is why she's reading the book. So you all don't think that we're just dangling the carrot. She's actually, she hasn't mentioned that she was doing homework. <laughs> But I gave it to you to read. I told you you needed to read it because how else are you going to wrap your head around apostleship? Now, God's apostle revived is the precursor, the beginning of, of the forerunner, if you will, of eternity's general, which is the, well, that's the hyper, hyper advanced course. But I want to go back 
Because when you are called to do more than just impart knowledge and information, you must impart other things. And the, the main thing you must impart is, I think, the framework. The, the framework of the discipline. And all education is about discipline. It's always about discipline. You know, it's about being there on time. It's about the teacher grading your papers on time and getting them back to you so you can do it. It's about having reviews in a timely manner, manner so that you have an opportunity to correct whatever uh, deficiencies you may have. It's about making sure that the assignment's there. See, all of those disciplines go into making uh, a product useful to a large number. Otherwise, most people, it isn't. Most people that come to my house and listen to me, follow me around, do my, let's just talk it out. I'll give you my opinion. You'll give me your opinion. And, well, as a matter of fact, if I'm back some mentors, I don't want your opinion. I just want you to listen to me. But that's not development. Development it comes through discipline. And so when one of the disciplines that we have is developing the apostles' consciousness. You have to have a, the consciousness of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, which they got from him. Now, that number one consciousness is that Jesus never forgot he was not for the present age. He never forgot that. Never. He said, I am not of this world. This is what he said. My time is not now. He always operated as if he was the solutionist, the future solution to what God was tolerating today. We think because God doesn't act and he doesn't rise up and strike us all dead and unleash the angels on us to take us out and all of that, we think he's okay with this. He's not. When God, oh, help me, I support you. Is that good? You know that's good. When, I'm winding up. I'm getting it, baby. I'm getting it. And so I, when, when God realize when God made it a matter of public record, because he always knows the end from the beginning. He always calls at the end from the beginning. So when God made it a matter of public record that Saul had failed him as a king, God did not go off and slink off into a corner and say, oh, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble. God went to the next clause in the covenant. Because in the covenant, in Deuteronomy 18, God outlines about, are you ready? Deuteronomy. He outlines about the king, how a king will treat them. We often say that God did not have a plan for a king. That is so not correct. And here is why. Because Jesus was already in the human lineage. The future body of Jesus Christ was already in the human lineage. Which is why when you read Luke 4, and it goes all the way back and it's a, as a, the son of Adam. So Jesus was already there. So what God needed was for the earth to understand what heaven has long known and resolved. That's, that's one of the, 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 the keys to prophecy, tapping into what heaven already knows and has resolved, heaven's intelligence. And heaven's intelligence must become our instinct. Write that down, people, because I want you to want that in your brain. Heaven's intelligence must become earth instincts. That's what this is all about, that we instinctually respond like heaven. We understand, and those instincts are based on, number one, what heaven intends. Not just what they meant, but what they intend. Hebrews 4.12 says God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of 
of the heart. Not just the thought. We always talk about God's thoughts, and nobody wants to dig into his intent. I think we're a little scared. You know, we're not sure what he's going to do to us. We're going to make us do. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, we have got to go through and explore some implications. And then after that, we must settle the indicators that say whether or not we are moving with heaven's intelligence. See, that's the training that we give our people. And some people absolutely love it, can't get enough of a relish it. And some people are like, I don't, I don't think it's that deep. I don't think it's meant to be that deep. I don't think I'm required to think that deeply. You're probably not. But if you're not required to think that deeply, trust me, I am not your developer. Because God baptized me in this thing, birthed me in it, took me down under the water, held me till I was running out of breath, and then brought me back up again and said, got it? I said, yes, so I didn't have to go under any longer. But there is, an, uh, and so what she's talking about, you have got to think, if you are a, an apostle in training, it is sad, it is pathetic, it is unfortunate, but it is also so uh, discrediting to the Lord that you are, people are called to be an apostle and made an apostle in the same breath. That's unfortunate. No institution does that. I'm going to say that till I go home to be with the Lord. You all are going to echo me. You watch. You're going to echo me. No institution recognizes your talent and then puts you in power or position in the same breath, except the church. And you wonder why God has not moved with this thing. You wonder why God is not working with this. Well, you know, there, there are people, I mean, you know, those people overseas, they're doing it. Their apostles are blowing up. Yeah, but not the knowledge. They're blowing up with evangelical fervor and zeal uh, and sprinkling a little apostleship in it. it it's not, and I won't say all of them because nothing is all or every in the planet, but a large majority of them are. They still don't have the mind of Christ, the, the, our, the apostle of our profession. God, I love that he says that. I love that they didn't let, you know, you got some modern folks that want to change it. But, you know, that, 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 that's a powerful thing, the apostle of our profession. We got the apostle Paul writing to the Hebrews about the career of Jesus Christ. You know, the Hebrews is, a capsule, is an encapsulation of the career of Jesus Christ before, during, and after. And so he's writing it, and Jesus is the professional model of apostleship, the apostle of our profession, the high priest and apostle. Now, think about it. I love that. Now, we understand that to mean, I mean, people downgraded and say confession. Well, you come, because first of all, people didn't think apostles should be a professional order in the ministries of the Lord Jesus Christ or in the church's ministries. But I like the fact that God did not let them change that. And being a writer, I know that there are certain things, certain words that I want to use or certain things I write once and then want to go back and fix it down, you know, soften it a little bit for the trend. And he'll say, don't you do it. I want to say it just like that. Think about it. If we stop translating that word to confession, because people were trying to it, it literally defunct the prophet's office and eliminate prophets and apostles, especially apostles that trying to eliminate them because the, the bishops were taking over. If you don't and research a profession, you get a whole new insight on that passage. 
So my development of my apostles and prophets is for to the end that they recognize that this is a profession. It's an eternal profession that has been dispatched to earth in the Holy Ghost. Are they flowing after me? Oh, yeah. Are y'all flowing with me? Because I want you to hear this. So when I train them, if school is never for the present. Tell somebody, school. Now, training is for the present. Training is for tutorials are, but school, education is always for the future. Education is always intuitive. It is always forward thinking because education is preparing a force of skilled solutionists to tackle a present problem in the future, either because it's existing or, it's, or the, uh, the course of events make it inevitable that it will end up, they'll be needed. We don't talk like that any longer. We're like, I just got to go to college so I can get a job. And then after that, I want to get 15 jobs. And then I want to just bounce around and so I can just have a lot of jobs, so I can just build my resume and people be excited about the fact that I've worked in 15 jobs in 15 days. But that's not what it's all about. Not at all. Actually, what are some of our people saying? Someone said, my spirit is running around here. <laughs> I love it. Someone else said, welcome to the brain of God. Ooh, ooh, that's good. She went all the way in. Yes, welcome to the brain of God. I can't take notes fast enough. I understand. <laughs> and you try to take them. I'm watching her, guys. She's trying. Someone said, this is divine order with divine structure. Mm-mm-mm. I like that. I like that. You know, I was researching today because you know, I told you we're working on this new project, and so I looked up. I did a, a little bit. I'm going to go back after the show and just complete a little bit of an exegetical study on uh, Hebrews 4.12 because I think that sometimes we need to get into what God is saying and the meat of what God is saying. So I looked it up. Now, we all hear the word marrow all the time. Don't we hear it? Mm-hmm. And we kind of know what marrow is, where the blood is, and it's the nutrients, and it's really great, and it's the sinews for the bones, and that's really good. And we know all of that scientific medical stuff. But I like to go back to origins because origins are where we find the archetype for everything we're doing. So I go back to origins, and I I love etymological origins. I love that. I go back. So I went back to them, and I'm getting ready to really dig into it. But I went back to Merrill, and it was talking about, we know, the central part, you know, the central part. But what I didn't get, one of the definitions that I fell in love with today was that it's the brain of, of the, the brain of the tissues that make up the bones and keep it going. Now, that's the beginning. Now, they weren't talking about bones. They were actually talking about the brain, the, the brain of the thoughts that cause something to be. The marrow, the brain of the thoughts that causes something to be. I was yeah. like, wait a minute, hold on. Because you don't realize that that takes its way all the way back actually to Logos. Jesus right. is the Logos. You know, and so he said, and they're talking about joints and marrow and soul uh-huh. and spirit. See, that kind of consciousness you don't get because you had a wonderful fast. You don't get that kind of consciousness because you had a great, you know, prayer session with the Lord. The kind of consciousness it takes to, to take on God's universalities, to deal with the kid's kingdom, to be a royal representative of the sovereign of creation. Come on, somebody, write that down. Royal representative of creation sovereign. The sovereign of creation is Jesus Christ. So to be his royal representative, which is what all of those apostles had extensive training in from him directly, that's powerful, very powerful. 
And so as we go forward, this idea of we're just going to slap some oil on you and then you go, and well, and I don't care how much you say, well, this is not to make you profit. When people leave those ceremonies or leave those areas, they go out and pretend to be there. I was around in the 80s when they did that on something else, and everybody was ordained because somebody said they were ordained, and then everybody was, was anointed to do something because somebody slapped some oil on it. We had a bucket of oil up there, and everybody just got it. And you know what? We keep telling people it's easy and problem-free and trouble-free, and that's not true. That is not true. God said narrow is the way. Culture. 
And I want to go back to what you said about the churches. You know, a lot of you all thought your churches were not of God. But you, what you didn't realize is that you you started a church that God did not give you to model. You went off his model. God has a model for his churches. And in today's time, he's not indulging it. He's not. He, you know, I hear people talking about, well, you know what, I've been at this a long time. I don't need you. You may not, but if you are really a prophet, you need to know the former things are no more. And if the former things are no more, that means everything pertaining to the former things are no more except God's assessment of how you handle it. The former things are passing away. It is, I mean, trust me, God is going organic. Whether you are ready or not, God is going organic. He has already sent the garden. He's already sent the mandates now. I'm telling you, because you try to think of it, people don't even know how God makes a move happen. I'm like, how does God make a move happen? God makes a move happen by, first of all, moving in his forces. You know, his forces have been coming into the planet since 2000. I've been watching them come in, loads and loads, literally loads and loads of angels and citizens and all of those kinds of things. He's loading them in. He then started sending in his army, and then he started sending in his priests. When he sends in his priests, it is over, folks. It is over. So those priests that are in God's invisible realm are already here to take his church organic. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with Dr. Christ or not, I'm okay with that because I am already sold. I'm bought and sold on this thing. I am an agent. And then what God does is over the years he tenders the offer to everybody who's in high seats because it's easier if he doesn't have to start from ground zero. But God is wise enough to know that even though he doesn't have to, um, he, he, he doesn't want to start from ground zero, if he doesn't, it's nice to get a Moses that we could just flip over to a tribal kidding who's going to then become the late the, a nation founder. That's easy. But if I have to start from a David and go ahead and put him through the paces for 17 years while I suck up with, with, with patience, everything that's going on that I'm getting ready to fix, that's fine too. God will work whatever way he needs to work it. So I need you to recognize this thing is in play. It is go time. It is in play, and it's a go. Now, you can get caught up with it. You can get hooked on your mama, your daddy, your dog, your cat, your school, your alma mater, your degrees, your professional associations. You can get hooked on all of that, and only thing you're going to do is end up being that little bit of force that God left in, in, in Israel to see to it that somebody can till the land and keep the growth under control, keep the, keep the, the, the negative growth under control. God is going this way. Write it down because I'm telling you, and I, I'm, I'm the woman of God. You know I am, and you know I don't lie on the Holy Ghost. This thing is in play. It's getting ready to run rush the planet and overrun the earth. And you know why? Because more and more of you are getting it. You're getting it in your sleep. You're getting it in your prayers. You're getting it in your prophecy. When you read your Bible, it's clicking. Those of you who are tuning in to us every week, every Tuesday night, every Thursday afternoon and, and, and Thursday night, and every Sunday when we go strictly organic, you're tuning in, and this thing is talking to you, and it's working in you, because the Holy Ghost has already issued the edict in the earth. God has sent it from heaven. It's in the planet, guys. This is not going away. That's why you see so many so many old guards just fading off into the sunset. You see so many of them, and all, some of you all millennials are coming up trying to chase that old guard stuff, and you are going to be right now, you're going to be laid off and furloughed in a minute if you don't catch on because God is going organic. He is not going to play your games. He is not going to, he sucked up your little tattoos. He sucked up your piercings. He sucked up your nudity. He sucked up your goddess movement. He sucked up your switch.
resolution ready. God tolerated Saul for 20 years while he got David ready. He's tolerated, because it wasn't long that Saul messed up early in his career. He got him ready. And when he got David ready, it was on. And everything that stood in his way had to go. I'm, part, I'm trying to give you the wisdom of the Almighty, because sometimes people are stuck thinking you're still caught under the old rhetoric, Jesus is love, God is love, and, and isn't that great? Oh, my gosh, he's going to be so good. And he, uh, the God I serve wouldn't do that. Well, if, if you serve the true and living God, you need to shift, because he's done with that. He's done with that. All of you are chasing these people on television talking about you have to honor the law and you're bringing a curse on your life and a curse in your family. God sucked it up until he could raise up people who could give you intelligent reasons why that was closed out in the first place. There's a reason why the man abolished the law and everything pertaining to it. You need to find out what that reason is. You need to. Instead of let somebody find out, oh, man, I got a new way for us to raise money. We'll have people do first fruit offerings. We'll have people do, do law offerings. We'll have people do Yom Kippur and, and harvest this and, and new moon that. God did not do that for a reason, people, for a reason. I don't know who I'm talking to. I didn't plan to say this today, but I'm going to tell you, you Christian churches, particularly Gentiles, particularly Gentiles, you never had the law. You never had it. There was never a law for the Gentiles. The, the, the apostle to the Gentiles is Paul. Saul turned Paul. That's our apostle. And he fought nonstop to keep the Jews from forcing the law on his converts. That's why he got beat. That's why he got striped. That's why he was stoned. Read your Bible instead of those sermon excerpts. And so and he wrote it. I did a teaching on this. So if you're interested, let us know on my website. Just go on my website. Say, Dr. Price, I want the teaching on what you talked about with the law. Because the Bible said, curse is everybody who, not, who does not do everything that is contained in the law. He said, a curse comes on you. So a lot of your churches aren't making a dime, so you're sowing that money over and over again. A lot of your churches have shattered. They have scattered. God has moved his sheep under grace because he said, I'm not under the law. He, so you put your church under the law. He's going to move your sheep, and they're going to go under grace because Jesus Christ is grace. We're not under Levi. We're under Melchizedek. Those are Fact. That's not me having an issue. It's not about legalism. This is about structure. It's about the divine order of Christ. And you're standing up there having people thinking that they're going to bring their first fruits and they're going to get blessed. And when you do, there's nobody. We don't have the Gentiles do not have. Oh, come on, somebody help me. I don't know why we're here, but I'm going to give this to death. The Gentiles don't have a priesthood for the law. There is no priesthood for any Gentile church or a non-Judaic convert to honor the law. There's no priest to accept it. There's no priest to bless it. There's no priest to give you a harvest on it. So unless these people who you're talking to have become converted to Judaism, because you have to be a convert, you need to be proselytized. So unless they convert it to Judaism, you're serving those holidays and sowing all of that stuff is a waste. And you are walking around all excited because you know another one of Jesus' names, uh, Yeshua. Jesus got, the Bible said God gave him every name that is named in heaven and in earth. That's just a few of them. 
So you brought your church under curse and under the law, and it died because God said, "Curse is everybody who does not continue into in all things pertaining to the law." You're watching these people on TV, and they're blessed. They're not blessed because they they're following the law. They're blessed because they deceived you into keeping them in power and keeping money in their coffers. They came up with a new way to get some funds into their ministry, and you bought it as if it was a revelation from God. The Bible says that you are not. Not under law, but under grace. And if you decide to go back under the law, to honor new moons and to honor days, read Colossians, to honor, let anybody judge you in days, etc. you need to recognize, come on, somebody, that's scripture. The Gentiles never got a Ten Commandments, never. They came over, the Ten Commandments came over in Christendom because they were made before the law. See, the Ten Commandments came down before the law. And they were brought from heaven. And and Paul says that law is good and spiritual to bring life because of how heaven operates and deals with its its adverse forces. So you all are sitting here doing it. I'm telling you, a lot of your pastors, your church died, and you're still walking around talking about, I'm going to be the black Jew and all of that. You can't be under law and grace. That's an impossibility because law is a test and grace is a person. So you're either going to be on paper or you're going to be in Christ. And he said, cursed. I'm going to keep saying that because some of you are, you ask, well, I keep doing my first fruit. Well, we honor Yom Kippur. Well, we honor this and we honor that, but you didn't, but you didn't read the rest of it. And those people just did what they've been doing for 40 years, lifted the favorite text out of context and then made it a doctrine. It is not a scripture. Uh, it is not scripture. It's a doctrine. It's a commandment of men. Commandment of men. So if that's what you're doing, your church will die because the curse is on everybody who doesn't do the whole thing. And you don't have a priest because there are no Christian priests raised up to do the law. We're under grace. Gentiles are under grace. Because God could make, well, that's a whole other thing. You want to get my teaching on that, then you need to go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and just say, I want that teaching. If I know Prophet of the Year, by the time you get there, there's going to be some sort of big old red button talking about click it right here because she's, she's fast like that. But somebody, God's trying to save somebody's church right now. The Bible said that when you preach, when Moses is preached, a veil lies on the heart. You don't get revelation until you get in Jesus Christ. And you cannot add Jesus to the law because Jesus laid down the Yahweh side of his, his life to take on the Yeshua side for the church. Now, I'm telling you, stop that. Keep your little first fruits to yourself. If you're going to give a first fruit, you're going to give it to Jesus Christ. You're not going to give it according to the law. You're going to give it according to the gratitude and thanksgiving of grace. You're gonna give your little. Uh, you're, you're sitting here up where we're gonna we're gonna go and honor. Um, what are we gonna do? We're gonna honor Yom Kippur. We're gonna honor Rosh Hashanah. All of those are for the people who don't believe Jesus came. You cannot believe He came and think that He wants that, because He said He became the fullness of the law. God abolished the law for a reason. He said because humans could never meet all of its conditions. So here you think you can meet it now because some guy found a new way to raise money. And you are buying into it. Come on, people. Stop being gullible. Y'all better love on me. Come on and love on me. Come on. Sugar me up right now. 
Stop being gullible. Your church died because you put it back under the law. Your church died because you started honoring the law and you couldn't fulfill the whole thing. And there was no priest to really receive it. The Bible says that when we come on, mm, I got to hit this. I'm going to shut up in a minute. But you know I got to hit this, guy. The Bible says that Melchizedek takes the Christian priest, the Christian tithe, and the Christian offering, his priesthood, over which Jesus Christ became the high priest. Abraham did not pay tithes to Moses. He paid tithes to Melchizedek because there was no law. I'm going to shut up now because you know I'm all hot and you know I don't get all excited and can Y'all know how you do it. Somebody out there got me all wound up. I don't even know who you are. I'm all wound up. Oh. Can't even. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you because a lot of Christian churches over the last 10 years, I went to God. He said, oh, yeah, I have to close them down. He said, because I don't have any resources for that. Gentile resources come from the grace of God. Not the law, not the legality of God, not the legal institution, the grace of God. Now, there are some, some points that we need to work through, and we will one day when God sees fit. But you put your Gentile church, your Christian church, under the law of Moses, and there was nothing there to administer it. Come on, somebody, a access, There was no priesthood to administrate it because the Levi belonged to the Jews. He doesn't belong to the Gentile. Jesus belongs to the Gentile. Melchizedek is our priest. Okay, I'm tired. I got to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I need a word. I don't that thing. Read it later. Okay, and what did they say? Give me some feedback, girl, before we go to Prophet the deal who's probably shouting in her boot. Grace was enough. Uh. 
And today we're still in the same place. Can't believe that grace is enough. You cannot tell me that it's just about believing in a man. I just cannot believe just believing in this man that that's going to do it. But God had me go on that tangent right now. And I know it was a tangent. I love that you get. But he had me go on that tangent. And you know why? Because he's trying to save some churches. Because he's trying to save the hand of judgment. Because the Bible said curse. He's holding back the curse. That, that he has already legislated on everybody who does not continue in the entire law of Moses. He already said the Hebrews 3 wipes that out. The head of the house has come. So the superintendent does no longer get the glory. We don't need the superintendent to do anything that it was doing. And I need you to think differently, folks. You, I, I, I go to, I, I'm stunned. I'm so not ready. I'm like, you want to know why you worked out? You offended Jesus. You literally told him he didn't incarnate. He didn't come to the planet. He didn't get on the cross. He didn't die. He didn't go to hell. He didn't rise from the dead. He didn't go back home because you are doing all of the things that Jesus required until he got here. Those were required to bring him here and to bring you to him when he arrived. He has come. He has risen. You say, no, Resurrection Sunday, trying to do the law. Come on, people, get saved. Just get saved all over again. Because the pastors and the other officers have taken effect because without the voice of the apostles speaking, we have to go back and do what's already done. Exactly, because you don't think it happened. So we're taking you back under the law. That's under, and you, and, but, but listen, Ashley, hear me.
Now, I don't have a problem. If you want to celebrate the holy days, that's fine, but don't say it's grace. And don't say that you had a holy day before you got saved, but you're a Gentile. So you didn't have one. Okay? So let's get clear. So I said to her, she said, well, but you know, Peter and all the apostles, that's what they did. First of all, they were still Jews. They had not left. Christianity hadn't gone anywhere. But how about this? Paul was a Jew, and he had to teach people not to do the law, which was if, which if it was illegal in God, God would have never used it. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was the apostle to the Jews. We need to get clear on that. Our apostle was Paul. Now, I realize that he didn't have the strong, powerful, very prestigious-looking uh, you know, career that, that Peter had, you know, but Paul was the apostle to the Jews, and he is the one who took the real gospel that God preached to Abraham beforehand in Genesis to the nation because Paul ministers salvation from Abraham and Melchizedek from all the way back to Seth and Enoch and go on. So I want you to think differently, saints, because it's your salvation. Your churches are broke because you are sowing into a dead work, because, and it's dead because God closed it out. He has, no, and, and it's also dead for Gentiles because we never had a priest. So unless you're going to, in order for you sowing to these, to these holy days and these excerpts from the law, in order for that to pay off, you must cease being a Christian and convert to Judaism. Now, if you do that, then you're back under the law, and as far as you're concerned, Jesus didn't come, he doesn't live, and on and on and on. You're still waiting. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. And then you're, you'll have a priest. You'll have somebody to collect your thing, and you cannot bring it to a Christian minister because we never had the law. I'm stuck on that. I can't even get off it. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best, Periscope. I don't know who out there is messing with me, but somebody out there, that's why your church died, because you took it from under grace and you put it under the law. And the God said, by the works of the law, nobody's justified. Prophetess Dia, my girl. <laughs> um, wow. Well, I had it all in my mind that I was going to comment on everything you said before, the professionalism, the prophets, the training, and then you flipped the switch on me and went this direction, which is even more powerful than what you were talking about before. So all I could say is Selah. I mean, what in the world? Um I, I love what you have brought out uh, today about uh, the law and the grace. Uh, I was like writing kind of feverishly at the end because I had all these notes from before, but I love that piece um, talking about law as a test. Grace is a person, uh, the reason why we cannot be under law and grace. I think you just helped us to bring some things in order. I'm certain there are some ministers sitting on the line today that may have been doing those practices in their churches and are now really rethinking what is going on there. And this is what I love about this show as you bring a lot of accountability um, and help us to get our backs straight again. So I think our backs are straightened, Dr. Price. We're, we're sitting up right now. 
realizing what, what we need to be doing to actually, you know, invoke God's blessings and favors in our houses. I think you answered something so uh, intently today about why these churches, a lot of these ministries are drying up, not knowing why. This is the place to get answers. This is the place to uh, have things revealed because many times we're literally sitting there in our ministries and we do not really know why certain things are happening. So that was so powerful. Along with everything that you said before, what a powerful show today. Um, I loved how you talked about God as a thinking God, bringing it back there that, that thought leaders are at the top and that prophets were God's first thought leaders. So there's so many nuggets to chew on today. I think we're still chewing. I'm still chewing. I don't know if the audience is still chewing, but I am. <laughs> chomp, chomp, everybody. We're all chewing today. Yeah, chomp, chomp, everybody. Well, Prophet Ashley. We're done. Did you want to say anything before we left? I don't think there's anything else to say. Somebody said it quite well. Apostolic brain freeze. <laughs> <laughs> like a computer. <laughs> not responding. I'm not responding. Brain freeze. Brain freeze. I just can't even do it. Okay, Periscope, I have got to leave you until 8 o'clock tonight, at which time we will take on prophetic ed. You don't want to miss it. I have some brand new stuff to give you. I know you wonder if I have any more new stuff. Okay, brand new stuff to give you. Right now, we're going to turn it over to Prophet Adia, who will give us all the wonderful announcements, how you can get all of the things that I mentioned, and then all of the stuff that she has prepared. And we will see you. We'll be back again after the announcements and the break. Good afternoon. Let's move over. All right, guys, want to welcome you as you're making your transition to the line. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. We are on every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. The web address is blogtalkradio.com slash show. Again, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. That's where you can find us. And you can RSS feed <clears throat> excuse me, to the website so that you never miss a beat. What will happen is when you click RSS feed, you'll receive an email every time the Paula Price Show goes live. So we encourage you to do that. Again, the website there is blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Visit us there for all of the show archives. If you are an iTunes user, you can subscribe to the Paula Price Show podcast, which means that you'll have the entire library of the Paula Price Show right on your mobile device or on your iPad. So we encourage you, if you are an iTunes user, click your podcast app and subscribe to the Paula Price Show. And when you do, give us a review. We'd love, love, love to hear your reviews, and they help us to reach more people with this powerful program. So again, iTunes users, click your podcast app and subscribe to us, the Paula Price Show. All right, some things that are coming up that we want to make sure you know about. Dr. Price talked about earlier in the broadcast today about the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. This is coming up so fast. It's just around the corner, June. 21st through the 24th. It's going to be right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you can register now. Go online, register. Early bird has ended, guys. Early bird has ended, but you can register for the standard price. It's 125 online right now, or you can register under the group rates if you'll be bringing a group. A group of five or more is only $89. A group of 10 or more is $75. We want you to be a part of this powerful event, so make sure you join us. Uh, the registration details are right online at drpaulaaprice.com, drpaulaaprice.com. You can get all of your registration details right there. If you have questions, you can email us. There's email information on the website as well. Very soon, we have all, we'll have all of our class 
information up. We do have breakout classes for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. This year we are adding some new features and doing some new things. So if you have joined us in years past, we encourage you, plan to come be here. Again, it's going to be dynamic. It's going to be new and different. And we are working behind the scenes to really provide a dynamic time for you. So prophets, prophetic types, intercessors, psalmists, dreamers, apostolic prophets, apostles and your team, bring them out here to join us for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Uh, one last time, those dates are the 21st through the 24th. You don't want to miss out on this. We want you to be here with us. You can catch all those details online at drpaulaprice.com. Last but certainly not least, you can can follow Dr. Price on Facebook, on social media. She is on Twitter. She is on Facebook. She's on LinkedIn. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. And her Twitter handle is at Dr. Paula Price. So really easy to find her on social media. If you're a big LinkedIn person, you can just look her name up on LinkedIn, Dr. Paula Price, and you'll find her there. So we encourage you to follow us on social media. Don't forget to join us tonight at 8 o'clock for Prophetic Ed. It's going to be live via Periscope. So you definitely want to tune into that. And if you've liked Dr. Price's Facebook page, I believe it's live on Facebook on Thursday nights as well. So Facebook Live and Periscope Live for Prophetic Ed at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Before I let you go, want to let you know that the prop, the prophets or the prophetic aptitude questionnaire is back online. So if you didn't know that you could go to drpaulaaprice.com or ppmglobalresources.com to take your prophets assessment, you can do that now. We have reintroduced this into the market for the special price of seventy-five. It's normally one hundred dollars to take this assessment, so take advantage of that. If you're listening on the line and you say, "I am a prophet, I need to be assessed," this is the assessment for you. It's specifically for profits. It is the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire back online for $75 for a limited time. So make sure you go online and see about taking your assessment at ppmglobalresources.com. All right, press that number one if you'd like to talk to Dr. Price in the second hour so we can get to your calls. Prophet Ashley, back to you. All right, thanks, Prophet Adia. Have you ever wondered, why do I hear from God? Is what happens when I pray normal? Why do I think so differently? Is my relationship with God unusual? How do I explain my experiences with God? Does anyone else experience these things? I have so many talents, but how do I find my purpose? I know I'm called to ministry, but where do I begin? These daily questions lead to one solution. Introducing the Standardized Ministry Assessments Series. What was on God's mind when He made you? Find out how our assessments can help you uncover your greatest mystery, you. Our standardized ministry assessments consist of 800 ministry-specific questions, 114 ministry-based categories, 50 ministry classifications, a comprehensive gift analysis, five-fold office identifiers, automatic response indicators, targeted benchmark scoring, Automated result interpretations, custom readiness path options, call-specific recommendations, personal ministry advisement. Is this basically a personality test? No. Your results are custom designed and not based on the traditional data used to determine your personality type or IQ. Instead, your results come from you, how you think, and what you believe not predetermined categories into which you must loosely fit. 
Dr. Paula Price's nearly 25 years of research and experience see to that. How is this different from a spiritual gift test? Our assessments are not a test and assess more than just your spiritual gift, what you are good at and may be interested in doing for your church. We help you define your ministry calling, how ready you are to do it full-time, the type of training you need to do it well, and the best place for you to prosper whether in or out of the church. They don't just give you a number. They give you a life plan. We offer three levels of assessments. The Ministry Assessment Questionnaire, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, the Apostolic Diagnostic. So what's your ministry IQ? Discover yours today. www.drpaulaprice.com or call 877-649-PPMG. This year's event season is going to be explosive. So save the date and plan to join us this June for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, Prophets, Prophetic Types, Seers, Psalmists, Intercessors. This event is just for you. Plan to join us for prophetic training, impartation, immersion, ministry, powerful worship and prayer, and be ready to go to the next level. Get all of your registration details right online with us at drpaulaaprice.com. Apostles, apostolic Christians, five-fold ministry leaders, and your teams, get here with us in November for the annual New Era Apostleship Summit. You do not want to miss this time of apostolic impartation. Plan to be with us in November. Get all of your registration details online at drpaulaaprice.com. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author. Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. All right, and we are back for the second portion of the Paula Price Show. Dr. Price, you took us there again. Whatever there there is, that's where we are. (laughs) I'm not even asked you to explain that, huh? Whatever there is. You know, it's kind of like they, 
who are they, the, the ubiquitous and, and ambiguous they, it, we're there. <laughs> so we have an ambiguous ubiquitous. <laughs> you know what? I tell you what there is. There is in the heart of God, the heart of what God wants to address. So I'm ready to take some calls. I want to talk to some people today. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the extra training. It would be great to hear from some of my thinkers out there to know just what this uh, discussion today did for you or to you, if you want to share that. So, Ashley, let's get started. Okay. First on the line is Gwen from Virginia, and she is calling in today for prayer for clear direction. Gwen, uh, Gwen, excuse me, Gwen, welcome to the Paul Price Show. Hello, Dr. Price. Hello, Gwen. Hello. How are you doing? Yes, can I'm you hear doing me? well. Yes, I can hear you. I'm doing well. Excellent. Excellent. Glad you called today. How can we be a blessing? Uh, yes. First of all, I just want to say um, I love what you said today. Um, at a church I was going to, um, you know, one week they're talking about we're in grace, but then, you know, another week they're talking about we're black Jews. So you really cleared that up. I knew it wasn't right, but I was like, okay, okay, you really cleared that up. Because <laughs> I would get all upset within myself, but I wouldn't say anything. So um, I do want to get more information um, from you all, as you said, to go on your website to learn more about Melchizedek and um, and that whole thing. So that was well, really make- good for me today. Well, make sure you do because I have a whole whole teaching on law and grace. I don't know, it's audio, it's PowerPoint, it kind of walks you through it. It's not even just me just sermonizing. But we I did you know, we did a real academic study to walk you through that. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned it again, Gwen, so we can tell our people again, go to drpaulaprice.com and say, I want the teaching on law and grace and I want to understand this. And I'm sure that by the time this show is over, Prophet Adia if she is true to her basic self, we'll have some direction for you up there on site. So now tell me, what is it that you okay. need to pray with um, I just want to pray for a clear direction. I kind of wanted to tell you uh, a dream I had I've been trying to get through. And um, the church that I'm at now, I joined about a year ago. The day that I actually joined, that night I had a dream. It was in two parts one night and then the next night, but I'll be quick. Um, I dreamed that someone came up to me and told me to help them, and we started running. We ended up in an industrial area, and then a man was chasing us, and they had two big black dogs. The dog chased me, jumped on my back, and I just relaxed. I can see the paws, and I can feel them breathing on me, that one big dog. And um, I just relaxed and just kind of said, Jesus, and the dog didn't bite me. The man had the other dog in front of me, and then he just called the dog off. It never, you know, it didn't do anything to me. So here, whoever the person was, I don't know who they were. We start running again. We were like in an industrial area with a lot of windows. We start running again, and I asked the person if they could fly. They said no, so I had them hold on to me, and we flew, so... We flew into some other place, and it was large windows again, and it was a man 
distinguished man was in their library with the brown chair. You could see the studs on it. And they just started laughing and saying, oh, I have you now. You can't escape. And I was like a little, um, like a bird going to each window, each window, really panicked, trying to get out. And they kept telling me, you can't get out. I have you now. But then it was just like a very small slither, and I slid through, and I made it out, and I woke up. That was the first night. The second night, I woke up, you know, in my dream. I woke up. I put a table to my window. I said I wanted to do my homework in the front of the window. I went to the living room for something, and I have a sliding glass door. And then at the door, four eagles, it was like, four eagles came. Not all at once, but, you know, one, two, three, four. And they had something in their beak. And I was just amazed. I was like, wow, what do you want? It seemed like they wanted to tell me something. And that very first one just kept staring me in the eyes. They were just hovering. And I was like, what is it? I know you want to come in. What do you want? What do you want? And and then I was like in a, um, a high-rise building where the windows couldn't open up. And so I just kept saying, oh, God, I wish I could just let him in, let him in. And it was a little man there. It was like a little Asian man, but it was my grandfather. I was like, Grandpa, Grandpa, come look, come look, come look. And then when he got to go look, the the eagles left, but they left the way they came, one, two, three, four, you know. Then I woke up. Now, you said it was a little Asian man. You said your, your grandfather's Asian? No. Okay, but in the dream, it was he was as if he was your grandfather. Yeah, he was my grandfather, and it was like I knew him. Okay. Um, you know, first of all, I want to say to you, um, Gwen, I want to ask you about the church that you left and the church that you're going to. I need to, I want you to tell me this quick, quick point about the mm-hmm. church you left and then the one you went to. Okay, the church I left, I enjoyed, he he was a teacher, very good with the teacher, but the spiritual part wasn't there. And there was some other, uh, how do you say it? The spirit wasn't there, but the teaching was very good. Okay, so if the spirit wasn't there and the teaching was good, what was was his primary uh, teaching emphasis. Primary teaching emphasis was the basics. He was teaching us how to live as Christians. That was his okay. basic. Uh huh. How how to live as a Christian. All right. So we went from teaching you the basics of how to live as a Christian to you all being black Jews. Now, what what caused nope. that transition? No, this is at the new church that I'm at. Okay, there, but I wanted to I, I start yeah, I start going there because the spirit was there and I just it wasn't a place I was really planning to settle. I went through this with Ashley, but that's a place I really didn't know if I was gonna settle, but it was like a transition from when I left the other place. That's the way I felt so about, a transition. Tell me about the other place, because something made you leave the other place. So tell me about the other place. Yes, yes. It was a lot of different Things. Um, I Just don't want to say down. everything on the line. Some of the things was like I said, spiritually they were really controlling. 
controlling the spirit, you know, praise and worship. Uh, Everything was kind of very in a controlled atmosphere, Um, even basically in praise and worship. They would cut the spirit off. You couldn't, you know, if you were speaking in tongue in the praise and worship, those type of things weren't acceptable. Um, That type, that, that was one of the issues. So was this an apostolic church or what? Non-denominational. Non-denominational. Oh, well, I'm mm-hmm. um, Okay. So as far as you were concerned, they were very rigid. They were very um, um, sterile and, just, uh, and uh, devoid of the spirit. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So what made them even decide that they're going to go into black Judaism? That no, that was the first church. This is the second church that now it seems like in the last couple months he's been talking about that. I'm a black Jew, and you know uh, we're 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 from the Levite. This is a new church now. Gotcha. All right. So you, you right. Yeah, that's what they're talking about now. Um, yeah, this is a new place. I'm trying to think. Okay, <laughs> I can follow this. I, I've got to be smart enough to follow this. Okay. Yeah, this is the so, second church. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now what provoked the second church? What what transpired? Let's say leading up to that um, revelation or that discovery, what transpired? Did he go on a trip? Did you get new friends? Did you get new members in the church? What? what I don't know. That 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 I don't know. All I know is uh, I, I don't know. I really don't know what what the pastor. Why he's talking about all that now? I know he's always talking about you know they're on the internet and they're you know what you know whatever's on the internet now. You hear a lot of people talking about that, so I don't know. I really don't know what why he's talking about that now. Okay, well I'm gonna work with you on this. First of all, I'm gonna talk about your dreams, and uh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But let's just cover this. Okay. Okay. So you said um, now the first dream you're talking about. Um, let's see. They said it was in two parts. Man was chasing mm-hmm. you, but he had two dogs. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, two the dogs. dogs and, jumped on me. Mm-hmm. And I heard one of the dogs jumped on you. Did not mm-hmm. bite you, just rested on your back. In other words, he jumped on you, and when it had jumped on you, the first thing you need to know is that's oppression. Okay? And mm-hmm. so there is the oppression of a false doctrine. Because, you know, Paul talks about beware of the dogs, beware of the, mut- the mutilation. All right? Okay. So... The first doctrine. So, uh, and, and I'm thinking this man that, that's chasing you has to do with your spiritual faith. It's taking many forms the form of your father, the form of, of an uncle, the form of the last pastor, the form of this pastor. It seems like you have this thing, you're wrestling with the masculinity in your life. And you tend to somehow or another drift to the same kind, whether it's your preacher or your, your whatever, you know, friend, work on whatever. So that's the first thing. So, and, and, and in the end, you always feel like you have to run from something that you've run into. So it seems like running is what you do. Obviously, running is what you do in the natural. When you don't know what to do and you don't know how to mm-hmm. run it, running is what you do. Okay? So, but, mm-hmm. so, so you have these, these two dogs representing these two doctors. And the okay. one approaching and the, and, and the guy controlling them. 
Now, here's what I do want to say to you. The fact that the thing, the dog laid on your back, did not bite you, but just laid on your back, which meant that was a spirit of oppression that sent to you to weigh you down and to, to, to put you under pressure to believe something. Now, if, that's why I asked you about your church, because if this man decided to go into this way, no pastor shifts without spiritual shifts first. And spiritual shifts come from outsiders. In other words, they'll come from new leaders. They'll come from a visitation to an event. They'll come from a meeting around the corner. Clearly, this pastor that you're under right now connected with somebody who told him that he needed to, to get in touch with his identity. He was unsure of Jesus Christ. You said he was teaching very basic. So that means that he did not understand the, 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 the uh mature the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mature things. So that made him prime bait, really prime bait. A lot of these, these folks that are switching over to this, they're prime bait because they don't have any answers. They don't have mm. any answers because they have the gospel. I have taught over and over again, there are almost 28 strands of the gospel. We've only been teaching one or two. So when, uh, when the forces of, of darkness want to take us out, we don't have the answers. You know, we don't have any answers mm. to that. We can't talk about why, why, why we, how we all black Jesus. I'm like, did you go to Ancestry.com or did you just wake up and get a revelation? Did an angel <laughs> visit your school? Did you wake up and death sat in a chair with a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette? <laughs> We're trying to figure out how did you all get here? You know, because you have to examine. That's why you need thinkers. Because thinkers are not going to take things at face value. That's why they don't want you to think. They want you to feel. Now, this, this doesn't just feel right. And so... So you you running, and finally you said you prayed, and the dog just kind of slid off your back. So obviously you held your ground, and you didn't fight with it, and eventually just let the Lord fight your battle. I think that's the drifting over into the first church, the second church. And then, the, you know, you turn around and man takes his little dog, and then you start running again. And now you're trying to fly. In other words, now, you know, whenever you feel like you're flying, it's because you feel like things on earth are just wearing you down. Can I just ride above the situation? And so, but you, you, but still flying, not knowing where you're going or what you're doing. You don't know. You're just, you're, you're reacting. And I feel like in the spirit, that's where you are today when you're reacting again. And there is a panic that goes back. Now, this panic response is, is based on something, my beloved, that happened to you or took place in your life between age 12 and 18. That was the year that this, this thing that tells you cut and run, this fight or flight thing, began to really take over in your life. And even though on the outside you can present a very composed exterior, inside your mind is racing. Okay, I've got to get out of here. I feel trapped in mm-hmm. danger. Of this, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta get out of here. And so, and this is whatever you're facing now. You feel like I have, I have run on land or run on ground as much as I can. I have to rock, fly up. But when you fly up, you flew up into a problem. Mm-hmm. Because the problem, because it's in you. You know, you said you talked mm-hmm. this over with Prophet Ashley. So I'm assuming that you are digging into a lot of issues that you have had going back to those years. I want you to spend a little time with God to ask him, what was it in those years that so set you on this this course of uncertainty? Like, you really don't have confidence in your own ability to handle Mm -hmm. this. You have I'm going to run, I'm I'm sorry, or I'm going to find a friend. You always got somebody else that you're going to make responsible for how it goes or, or responsible for what's going on. And so, you know, when you start talking about you, you start feeling like a caged bird. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 
of my freedom is for you, something that you feel is clipping your freedom. You don't know, I don't know what it is. We'd have to have them, have your advisor talk to you, but you feel like your freedom is in jeopardy. Your ability to just move freely and to feel free and to do free and to, you know, respond like it's, it's, you're bothered. You're really bothered by that. And so that's the other thing. And then you go to the window with the eagles, and, you know, so you've got these, these, these four eagles, and I love that fact that there's four, four eagles coming in order, the four parts of the earth, the word of the Lord coming into the planet. And God is really raising up prophets, and, and, and they're going to have a leader, and that leader is going to be the one that's carrying the substance of what this next uh, wind that God is bringing in is going to do. So you're, you're very prophetic. There's no question about that. But, um, you know, and even in a high rise, I need to be above my circumstances. And that's what God is telling you. You're going to have to get above your circumstances. Now, I frankly believe that being above your circumstances means you're going to have to either get involved uh, with God's prophets, safe prophets, for you to feel safe mm-hmm. so you don't see from the prophets. That's what the dream mm-hmm. is. But you still got this barrier, this looking glass where you look out, and no matter what you do, whether you're up high or whether you're on the ground, you don't trust. Mm. You don't trust. You're not going to let the Spirit of the Lord in through a glass or a high-wise or a dog, whatever. (laughs) And you're still struggling because there is a church that you haven't told me about where you feel like you were absolutely oppressed and mutilated and manipulated, and you have not gotten Mm -hmm. that out of your head. Mm, the very one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. I mean, you haven't talked about it, but you haven't. So, it, it, when it comes to God, you are you you have two speeds: run fast or take off. And neither one do you do with thoughtfulness. Mm. You respond by out of your own self-preservation and your instincts on spiritual things messing with you. I really hope that you start getting some strong training in just how the Spirit of God really works and how God thinks, how he wants to use you, because you can't get to destiny. Even though you have stepped into a situation where you are higher up and you're interacting with prophets, you still have walls and glasses and barriers between you and what God wants to do. Okay. Because you have a, a deep mistrust in spiritual things, I think that you were involved in a situation where you were literally dealt with by, you know, presented uh, with a false Christ, and you have mm-hmm. never trusted Jesus Christ since then. Mm. You love him, and you got some good points with him, but when it comes time for God to ask you to do something else, you're like, uh-uh, because I don't want to get lost. Uh-uh, because I don't know how I missed it last time, but I'm not missing it again. <laughs> So you have issues with the true Jesus Christ, and you're not alone with so much false doctrine out there and with God mm-hmm. talking about You're not alone. Trust me, there are a lot of saints that say, could I, with the real Jesus Christ, please step forward. Can we find the real Jesus? Can we just the real Jesus? So I want to say that. Now, I want to say since your habit is to take flight when you don't like things, before you um, leave that church, if that's what you feel you need to do, that's where he's going, you're probably inevitably going to do that. Before you do, schedule an appointment with that pastor. Sit down and say, help me understand. What are we doing here? Are we under law? And if we're under law, what does being a black Jew have to do with that? And if we're under grace, what does being a black Jew have to do with that? 
Ask mm-hmm. him where he, he's getting this from. You know, like, Pastor, I just want to know, you know, because you were so heavy on this, um, what, what, what caused the shift? I mean, because if I want to follow you, but I don't want to follow you and not know where you're going. And have him talk. Now, you, if your pastor mm-hmm. is a real pastor and really serving the Lord Christ, the pastor will sit down with you, have a discussion, and share. If that pastor is not and is caught up in a false spirit, he's going to turn very surly, very ugly, and very vicious. Mm-hmm. But either way, you know what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So now, last, so do not just walk out and do it again because this is what you keep doing, and it keeps making you vulnerable. And so there is a perpetual pastor. Because what you'll do is you'll walk out and walk into another false situation mm-hmm. because you have not cut this off in your life. This is a pattern. Bad choices, you know, the, the relationships, whatever. You've got to cut them off because they come in cycles, but they're also fueled by certain things. So we want to mm-hmm. do that. And, and I don't want you to walk out without knowing what this and, and taking no passage in your mind because I really want to follow you. You know, don't go in there antagonistic because we don't know how we got that. We don't know whether he's a victim. So you don't want to go uh-huh. in there antagonistic. But you are a sheep who is talking to someone you're trusting with, the, with your soul health and your eternal life. And if, if people okay. are going to take responsibility for our soul health, then they need to be accountable. And we ought to be able okay. to ask them. All right? So that's what I want to okay. do. Father God, <laughs> Father God, we give you praise. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you, holy Jesus. There's none like you, Father. And, Lord, I thank you for Gwen. I ask that you continue to do the great work in her that you've become that you've begun. I thank you for taking her back to those years between 12 and 18 and walking her through the deliverance and the cleansing and the healing that she needs uh, to be free indeed. I ask you to do that. I'm asking God that when she schedules this appointment with her pastor, that he proves himself a good pastor, a genuine pastor, and, and, and is willing and makes time to sit down with her as his sheep to let her know what's going on. Maybe she's reading it correctly, God. Maybe she isn't, but at least, God, he owes her that explanation. And I ask that you cause it to be turned out for your good and your glory for her, for the pastor, and, Lord, for your gospel and the sheep in that church. We give you honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Price. You're very welcome. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Prophet Ashley Knight. All right, next on the line is Sonia from Alabama, and Sonia is calling in for general prayer. Sonia, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Did we lose Sonia? Sonia. Hello. Sonia, are you Hello. Hello. All right, Sonia, you were were 10 seconds from a click, girl. We didn't hear you. I had the phone on mute. I forgot. I'm at work. Oh my God. Okay, talk to me. What is it that you need us to do to bless you today? I just want general prayer and um, just to know what God is saying for me right now. Okay, well, I'll, um, I'll pray and I'll tell you what God is saying, but I'm going to ask you a question, Sonia. Okay. Are you going to do it? <laughs> yes. But yes. you have it. You have it. I know. And I feel it. I was kind of hesitant today to even call. Because <laughs> I, I, yes, yes. God's been talking to you for three whole months. Yes. Oh, glory. 
and you've got excuses after excuses after excuses. And so here's what God is. I'll pray for you, but God is a very peculiar person. When you when He knows that you're going to keep evading His work because you're avoiding what you imagine to be stress, He stops talking. And that's what you feel. He's pulled back. Because God's like, yeah. until you disobedience, I cannot give you anything else. Because everything I have for you is based on this thing you don't want to do. Mm. And you have too many friends who are giving you counsel. You're asking your Poland folk and Karen I. I'm telling you, sweetheart, that's not going to work. Mm. I'm going to pray because I'm, I'm with you. I want to pray with you. But God says, I, you are right now like with God. You're like Peter. You do not want to cast your net outside, and you don't want to get out the boat because you are in play of safe zone. Mm. Now, here's the issue. You've been, you know, things been hard for you. You've had a hard childhood, hard life. You've worked hard. You've really worked hard. Yeah. And it's hard for you to work hard because you really don't want to. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Because you also don't like to be without money. You don't like struggling. You don't want your little shopping trips to stop. You don't want your little vacation. You don't want any of that to end. And somehow in your heart, in your mind, you've got it in your head that if you serve God the way he asked you to, you are going to get into a bath of suffering. Jesus. So you watch church mamas and all of that, you know, because you got all them church mamas in Canada. You got a lot of history going on there. And you watch all of them go through, and then they told you how hard it is, so that in your mind you can't imagine obeying God at the risk of whatever is going to work. So God is not giving you a word. Aren't you glad you called me today, girl? I am. I I really am. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you've got fear <laughs> all up in your soul, because in your mind. I know God is calling me to purpose. I know he's calling me to start a work. I know God even wants me to move and leave my area, but I I just can't. Yes. Yes. I just can't. And you can't because if you have built up obedience to Christ as a trauma and a crisis in your life. Mm. But the problem is you are also drying up where you are. Yes. Yes. And do you know why you're drying up where you are? Because the forces and the spiritual agencies in your region have been told by God to pull back. God has you on meager rations. You're in meager rations right now. You're making it. You're not going under, but you're certainly not going up. Because I'm looking at all of those angels that used to take care of you when it was really good and it was all rich and prolific. It was really great. Wasn't it great? But God told you you need to leave. You have an Abrahamic call. Mm. Yes, God. And he said, and you have a similar destiny. And, and it's hard. I know it's hard. But, baby, I'm telling you, you can stay there and tough it out, and you can ride out the the, the, the for lack of a better word, the, the uh, assignment that God has giving them on your life. But in the end, you're going to start at ground zero when it's all over. Mm. Or you can trust God and go to where he's telling you to go and look for jobs. Don't think he wants you to go without a job. Yes. It's scary, isn't it? Yes. I know it is, beloved. 
But you know what? Your dad loves you. Now, I don't know. You know, we don't know each other. I couldn't pick you out of a lineup. But I will tell you that there is an inheritance on your life, and it goes back to your father. I don't know how your relationship was, but there's a vow that God made to him and his seed that you must enter into. Yes. And it's not bad. It's not a curse. I don't know who keeps telling you that, but it's not bad. There are promises and, 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 and he does a business thing, an entrepreneur thing that died for him, should have taken off, didn't take off. He was actually cheated, and, and um, he was tricked out of it. But God said that he's still, it's still in the seed, and whatever's in the seed will come up in another generation. So it's still in the seed. So prosperity is on your life. Prosperity is going to be your middle name. You are a very prosperous woman. You think prosperous. You've got all these ideas, all of these great things that you want to do. Have all the potential to be a great inventor. You don't want to do any of them because you have been talked into thinking that it can't work for you. So I don't know about your relationship with your dad, but I'm telling you, your father's tree has harvest for you. Does that speak to you at all, Sonia? Yes. So you have to stop thinking that you're going to fail. You're not going to fail. Failure is not on the books for you right now. You have about a nine-year window where things are going to go your way. I mean, really, a whole nine-year season that you're going to be able to make things happen, all of that stuff that you started before, you know, the businesses and the ideas and the ventures and the, and the outreach to help people and all of that. It's going to come together in a package that's, that will make sense, and you will not succeed. I mean, you will not fail. You will succeed because God has given you a nine-year window of success. What does that mean? Well, that means that you don't have a lot of time to establish your future. In that nine-year window, the Lord will give you ideas, contacts, friendships, fellowships, relationships that will bring you into your future and secure your future. Not because you did everything right, because you got some stuff between you and God that's like, ooh, Jesus. But you know what? It's your daddy. Thank God for the parents. Sonia, did I lose you? Are you on mute again? No, I'm here. All right. So are you ready for prayer? Yes. Okay. Did I lose you or what, Tanya? Is there anything you'd like to say? Let me just say that. Because you seem like well, you're wrong. No, um, you're on point. Um, I, I have a situation um, right now that I'm facing, and my husband and I are making a decision on whether, you know, to move. Um, out of the, the, the home that we're in, um, we both agreed that we were saying that we needed to move um, from um, the city that we live in. But I think the fear is not just within me, it's within him as well. Well, it would be. And so you can play this for him and let him know this. I'm telling you, you have, here's the thing, that God really wants you all to build a business, you more, and yeah. more than him because of your dad. But mm-hmm. he wants you to build a business, and he wants you to believe. If, uh, if somebody sits in my seat the way I am today, telling you that you have a nine-year window to build and to prosper and succeed, I'd be moving. 
I, 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 the only thing I want to know is Lord when and Lord where. Yeah. Because people would give, they, they would pay a fortune to know that they can start something and have a nine-year run of success. And I'm telling you, that's the word of the Lord concerning your life. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy street. Nobody is telling you that. Please don't walk away with that happy time thing. It's telling you that what you put your hand to will prosper, but you need to put your hand to it. What God is going to give you an increase. He's saying, I'm going to give you power to get wealth. But you have got to be, and I think you and your husband need some counseling, so I'm going to tell you right now when I'm done, you all set up a meeting with uh, uh, Chief Prophet Tala. Go to drpaulhrice.com and get some advisement because I'm telling you, wherever it is that you are in that land, your circle of friends are not positive enough for you all. Your counsel is wrong. The counsel's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's what God is saying. So when you, and what you want to ask God is three things. Number one, when does the nine-year clock begin? That's the first thing you want to know. Secondly, you want to ask God, when do we move? And then lastly, where? Because when God gives a word like that, the setup is sweet. It is already done. Fair enough? Yes. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to get excited for someone. I bet you have my listeners out there shouting for my girl. Shout a little bit, but that's all right. They're going to shout for you because they know how to do this. Father God, in Jesus' name, Ah, we thank you, Lord, for breakthrough in her life. We thank you, Lord, for a reconnection of purpose and pathway. Lord, I thank you that you are lighting her path by your word and by your truth and that you're bringing her into a new day. And as she goes forward, she and her husband go forward and trust you and believe in you, God, that they will eat the good of the land that they're attending. They will get under good leaders. They will have good counsel, and they will have solid vision and definition of that vision in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough is all around them, and the harvest has come. It is not in your land, so you need to find out where you need to go and reap your harvest for the sorrow you've sown, says the Holy Ghost. Do that, and you will be free. Now, I'm telling you, Sonia, you need to set up that advisement because this work is not done on this call. You're going to have to call, set up your advisement, and get the rest of this work done. Amen? Amen. I will.
Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Show a Seed. Donate today.